Awesome. Well, welcome back to the SDR Handbook Podcast, where we have Carly Pledge on, um, who's a global BDR manager for Cloud Call, where she manages both the US team and the UK team. Um, so happy to have you on today, Carly. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. So Knowing you're a global BDR manager, you obviously deal in your, your coaching and helping your reps um, onboard and, and ramp. Um, one of the first questions I have, because I've seen, I've, I've been, I've worked on a few SDR teams at this point. I've seen different ways of ramping and I was just curious, like, how do you go about ramping your team um, over there at CloudCall um, when it comes to like SDRs? Do you have, you know, what, what does that sort of look like? Yeah, so it's definitely changed. Um, our most recent hires, which started, um, literally got on the phones last month, had um, a much better ramp than the original team. So we've learned a lot. We set up a new function um, about a year ago now. So we've built out quite an extensive um, training program. It's over two weeks, um, which doesn't sound extensive, but it is when it comes to kind of SDR world and training that I know a lot of SDRs do or, or don't get in most cases. Um, so that involves a lot of elements of learning through practical assessments, um, practice, which is really important, um, and also understanding kind of what our ICP fit is, what our buyer persona is, um, how best to tailor a pitch towards those kind of buyers and what they generally care about. Um, and ultimately trying to set up the, the SDR, we call them BDRs here, but same difference, um, yeah. trying to set them up for success yeah. as early as possible. Um, every single one of those, as soon as they hit the phones, booked a meeting within their first two days on the phone. So we've seen a much quicker ramp from spending that little bit of extra time building out a proper playbook and interactive training yeah. um, than what we did historically. So. That's been really good to see. Um, and then once they're on the phones and they're live, we still obviously have a lot of continued development for them. Um, so that spreads over three months. So they have reduced targets for the first three to four months that they're on the phone. Um, and it, the idea is it kind of builds them up to when they are a fully fledged, qualified kind of BDR um, with yeah. standard targets that the whole team has. So. Um, so far, okay. they're they're tracking right exactly where they should be, which is good. Okay, awesome. So yeah, so it is a sort of three month or quarter um, mm -hmm. ramp to get them up to up to stuff um, over that time. Then yeah, exactly. So it's it's about twenty five percent of their actual target is their first month's target. Yep. Then it jumps up to fifty percent, then seventy five percent, and then month four they're yep. fully fledged. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I've seen that at a few different companies, but it's good to know that, um, you know, even some teams I've seen do um, sort of if they're, if it was like, let's say it was six opportunities in a month, mm -hmm. it'd be like two, four, and then six, or like, I think some when it's like lower targets like that, but then even higher, which seems like it'd be more so like what you're doing, where it's like two, four, six, and then eight at yeah. the end, um, being like where you want to be on target for each month. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and then with that, like over even maybe the ramp period or even just the reps that have already ramped, what, what are the main metrics you're looking at as, um, the BDR manager for both teams? Like what, what is the main metrics you're looking at for success? Um, if there was like one or two main ones when it comes to, you know, individual SDRs. 
So ultimately, like the, the top metrics are those that drive revenue. So we target our BDRs on completed meetings, um, which means the prospect has actually turned up and, and sat that meeting. And then we yeah. um, also target them on revenue generated as well. So I know that can be quite okay. controversial <laughs> within the SDR world, but um, I've been in this kind of area for 10, 15 years. And if you're not aligned to revenue, you're going to get people just booking meetings for the sake of meetings that don't end up actually contributing towards the goal of the business, which is driving more revenue. So they're the two overarching like key metrics for me. And I'd, I'd say I weight heavier on, on revenue because if you're bringing in loads of revenue and you're just slightly missing your meeting target, I'm not as concerned about that as I am if you're smashing your meeting target and not generating any revenue. Um, okay. But then I think there's so much more as a manager you need to really know to what equates to that what great looks like. So across your team, if you've got great performers, what are their metrics showing? Um, there's a few stats that I'm... I'm a fan of when it comes to kind of performance and especially getting the newer starters to really understand what great looks like. And that's things like your connected prospect to uh, meet and booked, I think is really important. It shows it's quite an easy one to, to track as well. So if you want to own your own performance and track, right, last month it took me 10 connects to get a, a, a meeting and this month it's only taken me eight next month it might take me six and you can keep kind of working your figures back that way um yep. and i also think demo uh, book to complete ratio is really important um okay. that's another one that can quite quickly identify whether you're booking in quality meetings or if you're going after the quantity um and i think any ae leader sales director, CRO would say the same thing is that it's quality yep. is always going to be so much more important than quantity. Um, so yep. as a business, you have to set your, your team up to be successful and make sure their comp plan does align with those yeah. values as well. Um, so yeah, we, we break down and we go quite heavy on data and we, we look at kind of quarterly performance in quite a lot of detail. Um, so that would okay. include like your, demo to closed one and it, it kind of tracks every stage of that journey um, to where your stats are and then we kind of color code it so it's really easy to see right as a as a BDR my area of focus is really trying to drive that up otherwise I need to make this many calls a month um, and if those yeah. calls are really high and you know that's going to be quite unlikely then we know we need to look a bit before that stage and we need to look at how you're getting through, how you're enriching your data. So I think data is really important to paint the picture um, and kind of fill in some of the gaps. And as, as an individual contributor, the one thing I think top performers do um, consistently is they own all of their own numbers. So they will come prepared to one-to-ones with what their metrics are. They'll have worked out certain um, performance metrics yeah. as well. Um, and I think it's really important to have that mindset. Okay, yeah. So from that, I'm hearing like from like top of and it was interesting because you actually went into some of the things that I was going to ask you as a follow up to that, where you had these main two, which is revenue generated, and um, I'm sorry, it was demos completed. Yeah. Um, are the main things you'd look at. So you have those, but then you count. You went into what I was like going to be curious about after, which was um, you know, what leads to you know the most successful. Um, reps in those which yeah. it sounds like a lot of it being like okay are they turning a conversation into a meeting booked and 
um, owning their numbers and having, you know, being probably proactive in just what they do every day instead of just being either reactive or, you know, thinking, you know, outside the box in some cases. So, okay. And so with that, like, um, I'm curious about then with the reps that do well, um, versus maybe the reps that are still ramping or are still figuring things out. How do you know when to like step in and help? Like, do you still step in and help with reps that are doing over the top well, or do you kind of take a more hands-off approach? And then what does it look like for the reps that aren't doing so well? How do you step in and like, what are you helping them with? And how does that look like? What does that look like? Yeah, so I'm not sure there's a a kind of black and white answer to this, because I think when it comes Mm -hmm. to people management, the first thing is knowing your people. And I've got, um, so two of my top performers, one of them is like works better if they're left to their own (laughs) devices, right? So there's not a massive amount of touch points we need to do around performance. Um, They have Mm -hmm. their process. It works very effectively. They rinse and repeat that every month. Um, And theirs is more on on kind of their um, career development that that we generally will will spend more time on. Equally, I've got people that are performing just as well that do want a bit of help with their pitch or they'll generally the top, by the time you've got to a point that where you're really performing, you already know what you need to work on. You already have that um, in your psyche anyway. Knowing when to step in, it's more knowing your team and what they'll respond better to. So some will respond better to short, regular touch points. Others will respond better to having a quick um you know, coaching session, um, giving them some action plans and saying, right, this time next week, we're going to meet and discuss that. So I think before knowing when to step in, you've got to know your team really well and understand sort of what their motivators and drivers are. I can tell you what any of my team are struggling with without really needing to listen to the calls to know that because I know my team that well. Mm -hmm. So I think like you've got to get to that stage before you can identify how they need the help. Um, and that's something that I've kind of done most of my career with with sales teams I've managed is you've got to know how they work, how they operate and what they're driven by before you know when yeah. to step in and when to step back. Um, and yeah. I think generally, if you've built up that relationship, they're going to speak up um, as well. So I think creating that really safe environment for people to feel they can come and knock on your door if they need some extra support or they can tell you actually this is too much for support for me i'd rather be on the phones or i'd rather be creating emails or new cadences or whatever it may be so um yeah i'd say relationship first is definitely the key for successful management okay and with those high performers um i'm curious and i'm sure anyone listening who either is maybe a high performer or wants to be what do what have you seen as like either the ones that have maybe come in as SDRs and maybe they moved on to AEs or whatever the case is like, is there a few things that are outside of maybe that they're, you know, converting calls over to demos booked pretty often? Um, and that, like, is there anything about like, maybe do they have like grid or like what other things do you think are applicable that you think kind of widely range over? Like, it's not something that just sticks to one um, SDR that's a high performer. Um, what have you seen? Yeah, good question. I think there's quite a few things that probably translate across all the, the higher performers. Um, what I personally look for is um, 
And ironically, I never looked for this in the beginning of my sales career. So when I started in sales, I was very much a personality seller. I wasn't technical. I was great at rapport building. And that's kind of what I stuck to and how I became successful. But that only gets you to a certain point. And I kind of realized in my own journey, for me to be better, I've got to kind of take that real harsh look at myself and say, right, let's be really blunt about what I'm not so good at and what I need to improve on. So that level of self-awareness is something that I think is across all top performers in any area of the business. Um, and that real high level of self-accountability. So if I know I need work on my product knowledge, for example, I'm not going to wait for my manager to come and teach me that. I'm going to proactively go and try and increase that by listening to other calls or listening to demos or getting a meeting in with an AE or a, a, someone from the product team. Um, so yeah I think that is a huge part of all the top performers and I think the other thing that I never really gave credit to um, until running my own teams was the process driven aspect of sales so within sales you've got kind of the science side and you've got the art side and they to be amazing you have to kind of mesh those two together um, and I think the the side that is natural to a lot of natural kind of salespeople is that art side it's it's your emotional intelligence it's your ability to communicate with people but i think equally as important is having your process and following that so if i know i need to get to this to earn this much money or to do this much above my quota these are the back steps that i need to take and they kind of work that backwards and then it ends them with like this daily process. So every day I know I need to get this, I know I need to do this to get this. Um, and I think that's yeah. something that all top performers do really well. Um, they never point fingers and blame games at anyone else. Mm -hmm. They completely own their own performance themselves, which I think is really important. Okay, so hi. Okay, that's interesting. You bring that up on the side of like that they're not pointing fingers and they I think a lot of SDRs like own that to an extent, but maybe not to the same level that the high performers do, where it's like, it is on me to go get this meeting booked and I'm not going to let even like random things in their day, maybe yeah. avoid like happen. Like, even if like they have a bad call and someone just like, you know, is mean to them or whatever the case is, yeah. like people that do cold calls or emails, they don't even let that kind of phase them. They right. kind of keep keep going with it and it's easier said than done right you're, you're dealing with rejection yeah. a lot of the time in <laughs> yeah. your day. if you're having a bad day we're all yep. human um i think the thing mm -hmm. i know is sort of flipping it around and what the bottom performers do that the top don't as well on on that subject is is really easy to take things personally it's really easy to get an mm -hmm. imposter mindset you have you know a couple of bad days on the phone that can quickly snowball yeah. to five six seven eight nine days um, and I think it can be your mindset is probably the biggest challenge of long-term success in sales. Um, and I think mm -hmm. anyone that's ever done sales would agree with that probably is that yeah. it's, a, it's a constant struggle to try and try and stay positive and not take things personally and be almost like this superhuman mm -hmm. results driven person. Um, but the reality mm -hmm. is we are all human. There's times it will get to us. And I think the difference with, High performers is they they don't let it get to them as often anyway. They understand it's a, it's a bit of a numbers game at times, and sometimes you luck down and 
in the nature of dealing with other humans, you'll catch people at bad times. You will catch people that are frustrated and you might have been their temp cold call in two days and they're just taking that frustration out on you. Um, so yeah, developing that really resilient mindset of this isn't in my control, so I'm not going to stress myself about it is, is a, a really important skill for BDRs, SDRs and anyone really in, in sales. Yeah, no, it's so true. I've seen a lot of SDRs or even myself, like, um, I've been lucky enough to, to hit my numbers um, quite often. But um, in that case, too, it's like I'll have weeks where, you know, things don't go my way. But, you know, as long as you keep on picking up the phone and, and dialing, you kind of work your way through that. But um, I'm curious to you on like, have you seen reps that do better as well? Um, are they booking meetings? You know, are they <clears throat> able to finish their month before the end of the month or at least get near it? before the end of the month to allow themselves to start working on the next month. Um, do you typically see that in a lot of them? Like there's, and to, to even give more context, I've, I've heard this phrase um, even given, me, given to me by one of my past managers was like this idea of working from the 15th to the 15th instead of working from the 30th to the 30th. And that way you're able to finish the month out earlier. I'm just curious, have you also seen that with high performers? And like, why do you think that is? Yeah, I think that definitely happens um so my kind of top performer has always hit his number by normally day 10 of the month um, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> which is always frustrating for everyone else but it, it's month <laughs> yeah. in month out part of that yeah. is because he does have that mindset that like once i've hit my number so he's he's also been promoted into a team lead position so once I've hit my number, I can spend more time coaching the rest of the team and getting them up to my kind of level um, with their conversations. Um, but also, I think naturally, he's very process-driven. So when you're speaking to somebody and, you know, they're in contract or those standard objections that you hear day in, day out, they're in contract, not a good time, not interested right now. Um, he's very meticulous with putting his callbacks in. So he can go into any month and he, he doesn't just kind of, when you're speaking to gatekeepers, he doesn't just kind of let them go. He gets some kind of value from that conversation. Um, okay. And once you've got that value and you're recording it in the right way, it makes your job so much easier. Going into any month, I can almost guarantee he's got between five and 10 callbacks that are very likely to turn into meetings. So He's already set himself up for that month because of his callbacks, which he'll hit on week one. Um, and because he's built that rapport and he's doing all the conversation side right, naturally, a lot of those are successful at, at booking in and then turning into revenue as well. Yeah, and that's really interesting to see that because I haven't even heard of that approach of having like those set up. But on the other side, too, I feel like when you have someone like that, it's almost just like they don't have like commission breath and they're not desperate for like a meeting. So they're almost able to book meetings that otherwise wouldn't happen because you come off a little bit different on the phones or you come off different in emails where you're like, you know, it's not like you're desperately trying to book this meeting. It's like, okay, well, I already hit my number 10 days in. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't necessarily need this meeting. Obviously you still want to book it, but it's, it's different like mental approach and like emotional approach to like what you've mentioned before. Um, when it comes to that. Yeah. And I, I always say to my team, like if you were speaking to your friend down at a bar, you wouldn't 
you wouldn't be like, hi, I'm Carly Pledge, calling from Cloudcore. Like, it yeah. doesn't sound authentic. It doesn't sound genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, and the high performers are generally the people that you wouldn't necessarily speak to and be like, I bet you're insane. So it's not necessarily yeah, yeah. the biggest personality, the most extroverted person on the team, which I think historically sales has kind of had that that paintbrush across yeah. it. Like, all salespeople are like that. Um, and I think actually there's an element of, of calmness that is really important for, especially for, for SDRs that are kind of re- repeating a, a very similar conversation start just with different prospects. So having that kind yeah. of calm approach of I'm not desperate for any of this. Um, I'm just seeing if it makes sense. If it does, great. If it doesn't, you know, no hard feelings. So having that kind of mindset yeah. um, can really help boost your performance as well. Yeah, no, that's true. It's interesting because I wonder if the fact that you're trying to like talk to people all day makes you less <laughs> extroverted uh, later in the day. But um, awesome. And then I'm curious, like as there's like this whole thing, like it seems like this year and, and, and the last around like pulling back on like doing like internal meetings all the time and having all these extra hours away from doing your job. Um, I'm just curious, like how do you assist your team during the week um when it comes to like do you have group meetings as a team to like go over maybe some sort of concept you know sometimes companies do or like teams usually do like wednesday meetings to like re-up the week or whatever the case is and um, maybe friday and i've been on a team where we had an hour meeting on monday an hour meeting on wednesday an hour meeting on friday all this stuff but um, i'm just curious about what what do you do for your team to make sure that they're successful with like those extra meetings outside of them doing their job yeah, we, we don't go that heavy on meetings, um, thankfully. I think yep. my team would kill me if I suggested three <laughs> yeah. hours a week on team meetings. Um, so we yeah. have daily stand-ups, um, which the team leaders yep. take for their retrospective teams. Um, okay. Then we have a global BDR meeting on a Monday for an hour. So that is generally covering yep. either training, um different areas of the business, what's going on, any updates, things like that. Um, And then we also have, so because the US side, naturally, I'm in the office, I see the UK team twice a week. The US don't get the same uh, airtime from me a lot of the time. So I've switched my hours. So I now do US hours and I have a US specific team meeting on Thursday. Um, I don't do that for the UK team purely because we speak a lot more often naturally where we're in office together. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Tuesdays are a big call out day for us. So um, we call it Super Tuesdays. There's a lot of buzz. There's incentives (laughs) that happen, leaderboards, all that kind of stuff. Um, And then Wednesdays, we dedicate um, every Wednesday morning to coaching and development. So we will either do your one-to-ones will be on a Wednesday morning or we'll do um, like a peer coaching where we'll all get in a room. Um, It's one of the days we're in office both sides of the pond. So we'll get in a room, we'll put some calls out there. People will bring calls to the table that they feel they could have done better on. And then we'll kind of coach it collectively as a team. Um, And we use a platform called Jiminy. I don't know if you've you've used it. But Jiminy has like a coaching framework that you can kind of customize and build into listening to your feedback. Um, so we use that for like the analytical side where we can coach it and then they can see their progress over time on that as well. Okay. That's really cool. So you guys do, so you guys leave your one-on-ones for just like a Wednesday. Yeah. I give the team leads one-on-ones 
um, on Mondays. Mm -hmm. So I get there one okay. to sort of start the week with this is what we need to work on with your team um, or any individual kind of areas that we need to address. Um, and then, mm -hmm. yeah, they do their kind of team one-to-ones on Wednesdays. Okay, love that. Love that. It's only on one day instead of you having yeah. spread out within multiple days. <laughs> um, and then do you have like a sort of even maybe not so much a team wrap up, but like something so you can look over it as a manager, like to see how your team was successful for the week? Like, what does that sort of look like? Yeah, so we've got a couple of things we use. Um, the main one is based in our CRM, which is Salesforce. So we've got yeah. dashboards on yeah. Salesforce. Um, we've got one that's more for the reps, which is how many calls have you made today? Um, how many demos have you booked? How much pipeline have you contributed? All that, those kind of metrics, yeah. like performance-based. Um, and then I've just got a higher view level, which looks at this is what the global team has done. This is what the UK team, this is what the US team. And it kind of takes out the performance and just, um, mm -hmm. not the performance, but it takes out like the calls and um, connected yeah. target prospects and all that kind of information. And it just puts... Demos booked, demos completed, pipeline generated, pipeline yeah. accepted, um, and then closed one. So it gives a much more kind of high level view when I'm speaking to other people within leadership. Um, I can quickly highlight yeah. some success stories or areas of improvement. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. So you just kind of peruse that to get you know, your idea of where the team landed. Yeah, exactly. And then we yeah. use one up sales. Um, so I think you had Mark on here before. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, Mark, awesome guy, awesome company. What they're team. Yeah. Um, we yeah. have one up sales. So that gives like leaderboards. It helps you manage incentives. Mm -hmm. The view on it, it, it gives us a lot of the information we've got on Salesforce, but the view is mm -hmm. just really user friendly. Um, so it gives us yeah. like percentage to target. So you can straight away when you're doing a one to one for someone, you can pull up their stats for whatever time period. And it okay. very like clearly amber, red, green kind of traffic light system um, of where they're mm -hmm. at for what metric and where they should be. Um, so yeah, the yeah. reps tend to find that's a bit nicer to look at than um, Salesforce that yeah. can be. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's for sure. Um, awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, Carly. Okay. Um, I love chatting. Um, again, to know like deeper, I think everyone listening got a deeper understanding of how an SDR manager goes about um, their week and when it comes to coaching and anyone that's looking to be an SDR manager, I think there's a lot of value here uh, for anybody. So um, really appreciate you coming on and just want to um, toss things over to you to, you know, give, you know, anything last that you want to mention or where they can find you or anything of the like. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah. And I, I think as, as kind of corny as it sounds, the main thing is just be authentic. Um, if you're naturally mm -hmm. a really high energy person, use the energy. You can be just as successful as someone that's low energy. So when you're going into that role, um, be yourself, be authentic with your management and your team um, and try to have a bit of fun with it. <laughs> I think it can get too yeah. serious. <laughs> Um, sometimes in yeah. business anyway, and you, you've got a, a hard job, so try and have a bit of fun now and again. Nice, awesome. Um, well, thanks again, Carly, and appreciate thanks you coming so on. Thanks for having me.